So uh, let me let you into a little insight into, um, into how I prepare when I, when I speak. You may be interested, you may not be, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so what happens for me is that I kind of look on, on a Monday, I kind of think, what is, what is it that, that's ahead for me on Sunday? What is it that God might be saying? And I start to prepare some stuff and I prepare just, just my gut instincts stuff and I do that because, so that it can like live with me for the week. And if you see me, you'll, you'll see me distracted on different occasions and I'll have a little pad and I'll be noting stuff down and, and I'll be thinking, what, what, is it that God is, what is it that God is saying to us? And I'm hoping that by Thursday or Friday, I'll have something so that I can relax and watch Arsenal or something uh, at, at the weekend. And, and unfortunately, it never works like that. What happens is that I get something and then on Saturday, I change something. And on Sunday morning, I wake up at five o'clock. I always wake up at five o'clock on a Sunday morning. And, uh, and I'm always adding and changing and subtracting. And God's saying something new and, and different to me. And I woke up this morning having totally prepared everything I was going to say uh, last night. It was all done and dusted. I have two talks today, one this morning and one this evening. And as I woke up, I felt uh, that the morning talk I didn't need to give you. I need to give you what I'm going to give you this evening in a slightly longer version. And, and the, reason, the reason I felt that was because as I looked at my phone, I got a, a notification um, from a friend that yesterday was World Gin Day. Does anyone know that? I know some of you know that. Because one person in this congregation, it was their notification, actually. <laughs> World Gin Day. It was also, I discovered, World Oceans Day yesterday. So you've got World Gin Day and World Oceans Day competing for space. Just don't do both at the same time. It could be dangerous uh, for, for you. And so I had this thought. Um, it's, uh, we, we've, got, we've gone mad, haven't we, with, with, with these kind of things? So I went on the United Nations website at 5.30 this morning and I, dis I tried to discover what, what days did we celebrate and just humor me for, for, for a moment. Um, we celebrate on the 20th of March, World Happiness Day. Hold it in. No one's allowed to be happy until the 20th of March and then you can just burst out with happiness. Sixth of day, the sixth of April, sixth of day. It was early this morning, sixth of April is the day of sport for development and peace. What? <laughs> what is that? 30th of June, this is the best, the 30th of June is World Asteroid Day. This is the United Nations. What are we going to do? We just all get really worried that something's going to hit our planet or, 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 or something like that. I love this. On the um, 20th of October, it's World Statistics Day. <laughs> but apparently... Only, it's only celebrated once every five years. What? I've no idea. I think someone worked it out with a formula. On the 5th of December, it's World Soil Day. Do you know why that is? It's so people my age can have something to post about on Facebook on the 5th of, of December, I think. It's nuts. Do you know what today is? Sunday. It's World Holy Spirit Day. And, and, and actually, it seemed ridiculous to me that I was going to speak from Ephesians chapter 4, which I could manipulate into a sermon about the Holy Spirit because I'm good like that. But it isn't actually a sermon about the Holy Spirit. And so I wanted to talk about the Spirit of God because there are four days 
in our world that changed the world and have every right to be celebrated as, day, as world days. You know, there is a, a day that we might call incarnation, or we celebrated at Christmas actually. It's the day when God decides he's going to step down into our, into our world and into our mess and embody God to us so that we know what God looks like and get involved in the mess of our world so he could save the world. There's, um, there's crucifixion day. We call it Good Friday. It's the, it's the day when God decides that he is going to sacrifice his only son so that we who don't deserve in any way, shape, or form to have life in God, can have life in God and can be forgiven. It's the most incredible day. And then there's Resurrection Day, when we celebrate the fact that God is not dead, he's alive, that a dead man walked, and, 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 the, and actually we may as well gather because we've got something incredibly visceral and alive to celebrate that God is here and he's real. And then there is Pentecost, which we don't celebrate really as much as we should celebrate, but it's the day when we celebrate the fact that God is not only alive, he's alive in us. The God, the Holy Spirit comes so that the life of God might be in us, so that we can actually do this following Jesus thing. Rather than strive and drive and religion, we can do it because it's the overflow of the God life in us when the, the church is birthed and the life of God comes on and the presence of God comes in every believer for the life of God. And so I think you'll forgive me if we pause in Ephesians and we talk about the Holy Spirit because, you know, my perspective, and it may be jaundiced, but my perspective when I look around at the church is that there is something missing. There is something missing. And we all kind of know there's something missing. We kind of know in our nation and around the world that in church there is something missing. And, and, and that's why we have conferences. The conferences that I go to and sometimes I speak at are predicated on trying to find the answers to the thing that's missing. And so the thing that's missing, maybe you haven't got a YouTube ministry. I've been to a concert, conference recently where that was the subliminal message. Uh, the, the thing that's missing is you don't have multi-site. You need to learn how to do multi-site church. The thing that's missing is you need to do leadership better. Spoken of those. The thing that's missing is that you need to do missional communities or family on mission or you need to get the perfect combination of the apest ministries aligned and, it, and, it, and it's going to be okay. The thing that's missing, you need to do church planting or you need to do social outreach. And here's, here's what I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying any of those things are wrong or bad. In fact, they're amazing. And we should be doing probably all of those things because they're incredibly biblical and they, they make a difference, but none of these things are the thing. None of these things are the thing. They're all just vehicles that may help us to the thing. He is the hope. He is the thing. And so we're going to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit from a passage of Scripture that you're not expecting. Maybe you are. Would you turn with me to what the guy at the back who's doing the screen is expecting? Uh, would, you, would you turn your Bibles to Ezekiel and chapter 36 and 37? And I want to read, and um, if you don't know where Ezekiel is, if you cut your Bible in half, turn right about an inch. If you don't know what an inch is, <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Ezekiel 
36 and 37, and I need to give you the background to this so that you'll understand some of this crazy stuff. Ezekiel is like the craziest prophet in the Bible. I mean, like he is, I mean, you read his stuff, and if you didn't know anything about the Bible and you read his stuff, you'd want to know what he'd been smoking or what's going on, because it's really crazy stuff. You know, Ezekiel chapter one, and uh, he's, he's provoked by God to write this incredibly, incredible prophetic stuff while he is in exile in a place called Babylon. Um, he's, he's lived through a tumultuous time where God has um, allowed the superpowers of the day ultimately to invade and desecrate the city of God in Jerusalem, destroy the temple, and move people out of the land of promise. And so God raises Ezekiel up to start speaking strange, weird, and incredibly powerful things into the lives of these people. And, uh, and he, he says some really encouraging things. Ezekiel 36, he starts to say, it's going to be okay. I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to do something new in you. I'm going to heal you up. Some stuff is going to shift and change for you. It's going to be wonderful for you. Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel 37, he gives them this really weird picture which those of you who've hung around church long enough will, will, will know. And what Ezekiel is doing is he's, he finds himself in the shadow lands. Between the incredible promise of God, some of you know this shadow land, between the incredible promise of God that we're going to hold on to because God has said some stuff and it's going to be incredible, and the reality of life which sucks, and he's in the middle of that incredible tension and dynamic and, and he gets to prophesy right into the middle of that thing when he knows there is a future that is certain and he knows there is a present reality that is just really hard. And he starts to speak and prophesy. Let's read Ezekiel 36, verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then look down to verse 33. This is what the sovereign Lord says, on the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. And God is saying, I need you to know who I am. I need you to understand that this is part of my nature, this is, this, is, this is my nature. I'm the God who is going to restore you, I'm into restoration. I'm the God who's going to clean you up. I'm into sanctification. It's a long word. It just means I'm going to holy you up. I'm going to take out the, the rotten bits, the, the, the cancerous bits, the bits that are, are not of me, and I'm going, to, I'm going to rip it out. I'm going to clean it up, and I'm going to set you right. And then he says, I'm, in, I'm the God who's into transformation. I'm going to take you and use you to be a witness and a testimony and an example of what I do in the nations for the nations. You're going to repair cities. You're going to repair communities. Stuff is going to happen in you and through you because of who I am. And this is the promise of God. You think it's all finished. It's not finished. So in the, everyone's going, way. Well, maybe. 
but they're sitting by the rivers of Babylon going, come on, somebody hold his Bible. It's gonna be amazing. And then Ezekiel is given this ridiculous picture. 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. It seems like a cop-out answer from Ezekiel. Then he said to me, prophesy to the bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Sounds like a song that needs to be written about that. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So Father, we, we ask that you give us some clarity. We ask that you'd speak truth to our lives. We ask that you'd arrest our thinking and change our minds and hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Oh man. So Ezekiel is given this, this weird, just, I mean, it's weird. This weird picture, this valley of dry bones. And he's just been given this, this incredible picture of how God is going to restore people, restoration, sanctification, transformation. It's going, to, it's going to all change for them and people are getting excited. And then he gets this picture of a valley of dry bones. And he's asked the question, can these dry bones live? And the way in which the question is asked in the original language, in the Hebrew, there is only one answer to the question. No. In other words, it's like God is saying, Ezekiel, these dry bones can't live, can they? That's the way it's, they just can't live. There's no way these dry bones can live. And in the, in the economy of this world, the answer is no. But in the economy of God, the answer appears to be yes. God has a plan. Do you ever feel like your life consists of dry bones? Probably because we live in Scotland, wet bones. But, but bones, nonetheless. You ever feel that? Do you ever feel when you look at the culture that we're living in, it's just dry bones? You know, because, because it's incredibly chaotic, the world that we... I said the other day, infinite choice. Infinite choice married to no, no moral plumb line causes incredible chaos for people. You can choose to do anything, but no one's telling you what's right or wrong. Political division 
in our nation than in our nations. It's not just our nation, it's our, it's our nations. There is this cultural chaos. It looks like dry bones. No one's pretending it's all alive and vibrant. And churches, if I, if I might be so bold, sometimes it feels like dry bones, doesn't it? There is this... There is this thing that we've been called to be, but so often we're not who we're supposed to, to be. We're, it, it, it's, what if we ever became the people of God that God has called us to be or asked us to be? There is a church on every street corner in our nation. And yet the consequence of buying into culture for generations after generations means the church doesn't appear to be the answer and we feel like often it's dry bones. And in our lives, dry bones. I mean, sometimes, it's, sometimes it feels great, but the consequence of us trying to live between that incredible promise that's in the scripture about who God is and what it means to be the people of God and the future of God and what, what that means for us and the reality of our lives and how hard it is and how relationally difficult it is and how financially difficult it is and, all, and, and how we're going to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. It just feels like dry bones. Can these dry bones live? No. But, but in the economy of God, of course. And, and not just because with God everything is possible but because the power of God works best in a graveyard. Have you ever noticed that? And when you think it can't be possible because look at me, and it can't be possible because look at this, and it's not gonna happen in, in, in Edinburgh, but here's, here's the thing, God so often wraps up resurrection in the shroud of death. And so when we say, where is God? You need to know this, God is not through with you because of what your doctor said, even if they were right. <laughs> and God is not through with you because of what your husband did, even though he was wrong. And God is not through with you because of the choice you make, which definitely wasn't the right choice to make, or what your bank balance says, or what your relationship status looks like, or what your boss thinks about you, or what your church decided to do or didn't do. No. God delights in the difficult and he defies the dead. And so for these dry bones to live in our culture and in our community and in your church and in, in, in your life, it's gonna take a miracle. Hear this, it's gonna take a miracle because the reality is death. The reality is, is death, but God is in the business of miracles, isn't he? In other words, it's going to take more than a good plan or a new strategy or, or a new blessing or a new bullet or, or, or a new idea that someone's going to release to us. It's going to take a miracle from God to see dry bones live. Look, look at the passage of Scripture in chapter 37. It's going to take a people who will hear the word of the Lord. I know you've heard this preached before, but, it, but, but it's going to take a people who will truly submit to the word of God who will say God's got a book out 
And, and I have tried every other authority that is available to me in this culture. I have tried culture, and I've tried tradition, and I've tried feelings, and I've tried reason, and I've found them to be false and unhelpful authorities, and they will not take the weight of my life. But I believe there is a God in heaven who loves me, who has a plan for my life. I believe there is a God in heaven who is good and is very great and knows best for me. Therefore, what he has said, I will actually do. It's going to take a people who, who, who hear the word of the Lord and submit to the word of the Lord. And it's going to be not just incredibly countercultural, but it's going to be revolutionary in a culture that says we are tolerant of everything apart from what we perceive to be intolerance. And we think this is intolerant. It's going to take a people who will listen, 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 who will receive, truly receive the Spirit of God not try and control the Spirit of God, not try and pretend that the Spirit will come when we ask him to come, who will truly receive the Spirit of God because they are desperate to live, because they know that without the Spirit of God moving in complete freedom and power, they will always be lost and dead, actually. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, catalyst and causal agent, of the kingdom of God. Come God at hand. Come wild goose. Would you breathe on us? Would you breathe on us? Because we need the cleansing that only comes from the breath of God. Because we need the power that can only come from the breath of God. Because we need the life that can only come from the breath of God. It's not going to be sorted by clever human ideas. It's going to take a people who will stand on the word of God and will receive the spirit of God and then will rise up and move and live. Because as you breathe in the breath of God, you will breathe out the life of God into communities that have no hope apart from God and have no chance of ever experiencing God unless we're full of the spirit of God. In other words, the word here says, get a life. <laughs> I know you don't like that word. Get a life. Get a life. Culture can be restored. Communities can be rebuilt. People can find salvation. People can get healed up and transformed, but only in the spirit of God. Notice this part. And this is what I, I wanted to preach the whole sermon for, actually. That was all introduction. <laughs> I'm not joking. Um, verse 8 and 9, look. I was fascinated by this because it's offensive. I looked and tendons and bones appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds. So in other words, it's going to take a secondary breathing of the Spirit of God for these bones to live. Now don't name check my theology right now. It's going to take another breathing of the Spirit of God for there to be anything other than the form of life, but no life. There is no breath in them. This is huge. 
Flesh and blood had formed. They looked as if they had the life of God in them, but they had no life of God in them. They had the form, but not the essence of life. And here's here's what the, the Holy Spirit arrested in me today. There are people all over this nation who don't know God. Like literally millions of them. There are also people in this nation, literally millions of them, who do know God. There are people in church today who do know God. There are people who, for whatever reason, have decided not to be in church. And we won't go into that, it's a whole other sermon. Uh, who have decided they don't want to be in church, but they know God. There are churches everywhere, and there are some dry bones. There are some churches that are probably dry bones, and I'm not going to start describing them to you, but you know. But there are many, many, many more fully formed bodies that look as if they're alive, but actually they're dead. And there are many, many more of us that have all the form of godliness and none of the power. Because we don't live by revelation, we live by reason. Because we're not impulsed by the supernatural, we, we, you know, we've, we've, we've managed to have a narrative around all that stuff that controls it all and... And, there, and there's no life in us. There's no power, no unction, little impact. Listen, God's deal is this. Restoration, I want to restore you to myself. It's the salvation experience. Sanctification, after restoration. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to do some stuff in you. I'm going to correct some stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to holify you up. I'm going to do this thing. Transformation. I'm going to take that thing I've done and I'm going to use it as a witness to the world as as to what I do. But the key is inspiration. Because otherwise you try and transform a whole bunch of stuff with no power. And it becomes religion. It becomes a strive and a drive. and There has to be a secondary breathing of the Spirit. Guys, listen, he is, he is no regarder of reputations and programs and numbers and success. I don't care how big your thing is. He is no regarder of background or respectability or past achievements or leadership or leadership type. I, I, he does not care what school you went to, who you sat under, what you learned about God. None of this actually equates to life. I mean, for goodness sake, Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus, which is the best church, and says, you're busy, you're good, and you're sound, but you've lost your first love. He says, you've got everything that any good church wants to have. You've got a great program, you've got great theology, and, uh, and you love people really well. That's, that, that's amazing. That's like a, a CV or a resume for you Americans that, that anyone would want. And Jesus says, but this I hold against you. You've lost your first love. And without that, there's nothing. And I'm going to remove my candlestick from your church. Wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. You ever ever thought that's a weird thing for Jesus to say? He's just commissioned them. Go into all the world, preach, teach, make disciples. He's just said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you it's like, go! And then he says, wait. I think you'll find it's the only time the Spirit of God tells people to wait. Wait. Because you're missing something that's going to change everything. 
Paul gets to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. It's a weird passage of scripture. I find a lot of passages of scripture weird. <laughs> and he finds a people who have repented of their sins. In other words, they're doing all the right things. They've been baptized, but something is missing. And we read this. This is really interesting, I think, for the church in Scotland. The spirit that he had received, Paul, through the laying on of hands was missing. So he lays hands on them and they receive the spirit of God and they walk in power. And consequently, miracles happen and the church is established and other churches get planted and it's just normal, that's normal. It's just normal. And Paul writes to this group of believers later, this is to show that I did my work on Ephesians, by the way. Paul writes to this group of believers later and in Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, he says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that you received is not a one-time deal that you can go, oh, I'm done now, cooked, good to go. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit is a dynamic, day-by-day, moment-by-moment relationship with the living God who wants to ruin you for any other narrative change the way you see the world, impulse you to loving people, becomes less about this and more about that. And he's gonna do it moment by moment. The problem, here's the problem, the problem is you leak. The problem is you were full and now you leak. And you've treated the Holy Spirit like you are some kind of jug or a pitcher for the Americans. You're some kind of jug, you know, the, the, the Holy Spirit pours, pours in and you just gotta hold on to the Holy Spirit. No, 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 your, your role is to be like a pipe. The Holy Spirit pours, pour, poured into your life and flowing out of your life and poured into your life and flowing out of your life and the sanctification process is, is so that it doesn't get bunged up with fatty deposits. if you get my drift. The ent- Do you know that, that passage in Ephesians chapter 5, 18 is really interesting. It says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Which, I'm, and I play, I'm a bit naughty with that passage, but don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why does, why does Paul put those two thoughts together? Because he wants you to be intoxicated. And out of your control, this is important, in the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, you've controlled God. Do not get drunk with wine, but be intoxicated with the life of the Spirit who will send you to do things and be someone that not every time will you be comfortable with. But it's okay, because it's life and it's not death. Prophesy to these bones the breath of God. And that's my prayer for us that we would be a church that is desperate for the Spirit of God to move amongst us, that is desperate for the authority of the Word to be the thing that we stand on, and will allow ourselves to rise up and move impulsed by, by these things. For I will take you out of the nations 
I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you. Listen and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to, my, to obey my laws. That's really interesting, isn't it? I will put my spirit in you and he will move you to follow my decrees and my commands. That's the life of God right there. And so that's what we're going to pray and prophesy over one another. Anyone up for that? So if, why don't you stand if you're able and if you want to. Really? And so we're going to, I'm just going to pray for us that we would receive afresh the Spirit of God, otherwise known as the Spirit of Jesus, the giver of life. And uh, here's the thing, you can receive the Spirit for the first time or for the millionth time, and one is as important as the other. Um, so why don't you just, if you're able to and want to put yourself in a receiving position, there's nothing holy about this position, it's just that when I give someone a gift, they have to hold on to it, otherwise it falls to the ground. I'm serious. And I'm going to pray, and then let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to pray, and God who is here is going to begin to move. He's already been moving. And then what we're going to do is if... if you are experiencing, because the Holy Spirit is an experience. Check out the Acts of the Apostles. It's, the Holy Spirit is always an experience. He blows where he will, but he's always an experience. And you will begin to experience something of the life of God. And, and if, you, if you don't, that's cool. Because God doesn't do the same thing with everybody. But if you don't and you're not, I want you to open your eyes and I want you to bless what God is doing in people around you. Okay? So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We are sorry for the times and places where we have limited you, controlled you, and not let you be God in our lives. And we invite you now. We invite you with your love your grace and your power to meet us here. And the Lord is going to do some restoration. That's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. So some of you here far from God and even in the middle of this, this morning, you go, I want to return. God says, I'm making a highway for you to return. And some of you, this is a harder work. It's a work of sanctification. Some of you, there's some stuff that he wants to deal with, not because he hates you, but because he loves you. And he's going to cut some things out and he's going to mend some things over and he's going to deal with some cynicism. Deal with some forgiveness stuff. 
And for many of us, he just wants to fill us with his presence and his love and bring us to life. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd come and bring life all over this place where there has been death, where there has been tiredness, where there has been just a, I give up, I can't do it. I pray that you bring life, effervescent life of God. Would it bubble up? And just let him come. Let him come. Just let him come. We often rush away from these kind of moments and I don't want us to do that. So just as we're in this place, the band are going to come, we're going to start worshipping Jesus. And we're going to stay in that place. We're going to um, remember and celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're going to remember the body of Christ broken for us that we might be whole. We're going to remember the blood of Jesus poured out for us that we might be forgiven and restored. And we're going to do so in the context of the fact that we're the children of God, loved by the Father, saved by the Son, full of the Spirit. And God is going to continue to be here and continue to move in people's lives. So let's just, let's spend the next 15 minutes or so just worshipping, enjoying the presence of God. And here's the thing, we're not going to have a ministry team today because we're going to become the ministry team. I think we've got one. I've just sacked you for the day. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but we're going to become the ministry team. So as we start to move out, if you open your eyes, if you notice God doing something in someone's life, offer to go pray for them, lay hands on them. You don't need to counsel them. Please do not counsel them. You just cooperate with what God is doing and bless it and see how you might be used. Uh, to bless somebody else. Let's just continue to receive from him as we worship together.